As I begin this morning, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the story of Joshua. We've been talking about first things first, being, uh, we, last week was about being fixated on Jesus, fixated on his word. Uh, the week before that, we talked about searching our hearts. The week before that, we talked about loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and counting our blessings and how that helps us. As we continue, um, we don't want to leave that behind. To love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind is absolutely essential to everything that we do. So let's begin with another word of prayer. Father in heaven, we want to love you with everything that is in us. So we ask that as we hear your word this morning, that we'd fall more in love with you. We ask that we would learn more about the plans that you have for us. We ask that you'd increase our faith through your word. Lord, these are big requests. They can only take place when you show up in this building and you speak to our hearts. So God, we invite you to be here. We invite your spirit to speak to our hearts. We invite you to take away any distractions that might be directing our minds in another direction. Please speak to us this morning. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. I lived in Pennsylvania when I was a young boy. And in Pennsylvania, they had a large camp meeting similar to what we have at SoCal Campgrounds each summer. I don't remember many of those camp meetings, but I do remember one event very clearly. It was, I probably was about eight, maybe nine years old at the most, and I went to camp meeting, and, and in the afternoon, sometimes there would be a little too much free time for the kids, and we would be playing, and our meeting wasn't going on, and, and I began to want to play with some boys that I saw off in the distance. As I got closer to them, I decided that I was going to have a little fun with them, and then as I got closer, they began to say some things. And I realized that they weren't uh, in to just play together. They kind of had some maybe mischievous intentions. And so I picked up a rock and I threw it at them. Here I was, a little eight-year-old, and I thought, I'm going to throw this rock at them and take them out. Well, it didn't take them out. It's kind of like if you shoot a grizzly bear, it's just going to make him more angry. Well, these boys were quite a bit bigger than I was. I imagine they were 11, 12 years old, something like that. And so as a little eight-year-old, and I look at these boys, and they begin to run towards me. And as they're running towards me, I'm thinking, oh no, <laughs> what did I just do? I'm in big trouble now. So I turn around, and I begin running as fast as I can. And every time I look back, they're getting closer and closer. I know that they're about to take me out, and I know it's not going to be pretty. And then all of a sudden, I come around the corner, and there I see him, DJ. Now, DJ was quite a bit older than even these boys. And DJ was friends with my older brother. And when I saw DJ, I said, hey, DJ, how's it going? (laughs) Good to see you. And I just kind of stood next to him, and he said, what are those guys trying to do? I said, I don't know. They're coming after me. I, I, I don't know what's going on. He said, well, let's go. And so we walked around the corner, and we walked towards those boys. Those boys turned around, and they walked away. I had such confidence to stand next to DJ and to walk towards those boys who at one point had been terrifying to me. You know, it it really makes a huge difference who you are with. 
It makes all the difference in the world who you have with you, who is standing right beside you, can enable you to stand up against people that you would never stand up against. Thank you, Alex, for reading from Joshua chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to go there or to follow along on the screen in Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1. This is a whole turn in the history of Israel. The books leading up to this have been written by Moses, and they've been teaching us about the way that God has led the Israelites out of Egypt. In verse 1, it says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. To us, we just read that, yes, of course, we know that Moses went up on Mount Nebo and he died, but to the Israelites, this was catastrophic. Moses was who had led them through the Red Sea. Moses was the one who led them out of Egypt in the first place. Moses was the one who had this connection with God. They told Moses, no, you go and talk to God and you come back and tell us because it's terrifying to us when they were at Mount Sinai and there was the thunder and rumbling on the mountains. They said, it's terrifying to us to hear from God. So you talk to God for us. But now, Moses is dead. And not only Moses, but Joshua is described as the son of Nun. We don't know who Nun is, but we know that an entire generation has just passed away in the wilderness. And so Nun's grave is probably somewhere there in the wilderness. Joshua is now without his leader. Joshua is now probably without his father. And there he is. And God comes to talk to Joshua. Continuing in verse 2, it says, Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Amazing promise, isn't it? It's kind of like the homesteaders who came out west to begin with here in the United States. They could just go around and if you staked your claim, that became your property because you had found it. God gives that same kind of promise to Joshua saying, anywhere that the sole of your foot treads, I'm going to give it to you. Incredible promise of God. You know, sometimes when we read the promises of God, we think this is a little too good to be true. Do you ever feel that way? I do sometimes when I I read what God promises me and I think, really God? Are you really promising me that? You know, Jesus said in John chapter 15, he said, these things I have spoken to you that your joy might be full. Is my joy really going to be full when I'm a Christian? Am I going to be happy all the time? Is that really what you've promised me, Jesus? Jesus makes us incredible promises. God makes incredible promises. Everywhere you go, Joshua, I'll give that land to you. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, And to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Incredible promises. Incredible promises that God gave to Joshua. But did you notice back in verse 3 that these promises weren't just given to Joshua? Verse 3, who does it tell us these promises were also given to? It says at the end of the verse, just as I said to Moses. 
See, this isn't a new promise. This isn't like this generation was something special that God didn't want to give that previous generation the promised land. You might know the story back in Numbers 14. Numbers 14, 13 and 14, it tells us about how Moses sent out 12 spies into the promised land because they weren't supposed to spend 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. God wanted to take them on a direct route. He wanted to take them to the promised land as quick as possible after leaving slavery. He wanted to get them out of the wilderness. He'd done some incredible things for them. Uh, they had seen God on Mount Sinai. They'd seen Him give the law. All these incredible things had taken place. And now God was taking them to the promised land. And they send the 12 spies out. And the 12 spies, they found some different things in the land. They come back with grapes. I can't imagine what these grapes would be like. Here we live in a, a land with a lot of grapes. But these grapes, I mean, they probably look like the size of volleyballs because two men had to, to carry these grapes between them on a pole. So they come back and the spies reveal that, yes, this land is an incredible land. We saw that it does indeed flow with milk and honey. It's an amazing place, just like God has said. But, you ever noticed that when there's a promise, there's always that but afterwards that we place. We think, well, yes, God has promised me this, but whatever our challenge might be, whatever the difficulty we are facing might be. And here you have the spies, they come back and they say, but the giants are huge. I mean, just look at the grapes. <laughs> They're the size of volleyballs. <laughs> the giants are huge. And, and the, the cities are well fortified. We can't go and we can't fight against that. We cannot do it. You know, when we look at the challenges that we're facing, when you look at the challenges that you might be facing personally, it's pretty scary. It's, it's all too tempting to say, no, I don't think I can do it. I, I really don't have what it takes because they didn't have what it took. They couldn't do it in their own strength. They found that out a little later on when they went and they tried to go in their own strength. It didn't work out so well for them. Many of them died in a battle. But Joshua and Caleb believed something different. In Numbers 14 and verse 6, it says this, But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. They spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. This agreed with what the spies had said. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection is departed from them, and the Lord is what? With us. Do not fear them. See, Joshua and Caleb, they knew something different than the rest of the ten spies. The other ten spies, they said, we can't do it. But Joshua and Caleb said, no, hang on. God is with us. We can do it. With God at our side, nothing is impossible. They said, we can go forward. We can take this land because God is with us. Unfortunately, you read in the next verse 
Then the whole congregation pick up stones to stone Joshua and Caleb. They didn't believe their faith. They didn't believe that God was with them. As they looked to the promised land, they said, it's too hard over there. It's too difficult to go in the promised land. Yeah, it may flow with milk and honey. Yeah, it may be this great place. But how are we going to fight the giants? And besides, by that point, the wilderness was a pretty nice place for them, right? I mean, every morning... God rained down manna. This is a pretty good deal. You just go outside your tent, you go and you gather up this manna and you eat the manna. Sure, they were a little sick of it, but hey, God gave them food every day. And then you had this pillar of cloud that represented God's presence that would give them shade during the day. And it, at night, it would be this pillar of fire that lit up their camp. I mean, this is a pretty good place to be. Being in the wilderness isn't so bad when you have God right there in the midst of you. And that's actually what they say. They say, would that we had died in Egypt or that we had died in the wilderness. You know, God is a gentleman. God likes to do things as we ask of him, as we expect from him. You read through the Gospels and you read about Jesus. Oftentimes he would tell people, be it done to you according to your faith. As you have believed, let it be done to you. Just, just like you're expecting of me, I'm going to do exactly what you're expecting of me. And so in this story, that's exactly what God did. He said, those of you who say, we can't conquer this promised land. We can't go in. We cannot enter in there. I'm going to let you die in the wilderness, just like you asked. Except for Joshua and Caleb. Because Joshua and Caleb believe that I am with them. And Joshua and Caleb will enter in. So here we find in Joshua 1, that God's coming to Joshua saying, Okay, Joshua, now it's your turn. Now it's finally time. Forty years have passed. Now Joshua is probably about 80 years of age. He's an older gentleman by this time. And who is he to fight a battle now? If at any point he should have fought when he was younger. But now God says, I'm with you. No man's going to stand before you. Go in, Joshua. Enter the land. So Joshua sends out some spies in the next chapter. We'll skip over that story and then we'll go to Joshua entering the land. Go over to chapter 3. It's very interesting for us this morning and I believe it's pertinent for the challenges that each of us face personally. And it's very important for the challenges that we face as a church, the challenges that we face as a school. Joshua chapter 3. Joshua's been given the promise to enter the promised land and in verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning. It's interesting how often in the Bible you find that the men of God rose early, that they often were arising early to be with God. And here it's to act on what God has told them to do. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. Now this wouldn't have been a very long journey. It wouldn't have taken them the entire day to get to the ford in the Jordan that that we believe they crossed at. He and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. I can only imagine what it was like as they began to, to head towards the river and as finally they're getting closer to the river. Before they see the river, they begin to hear something. They begin to hear off in the distance this roaring sound. I don't know if you've heard it before in the mountains, but 
they hear this sound and what is it? You hear that off in the distance. Wait, listen, what is, what is that? Well, we're not sure. And they keep going a little bit. That sounds like water. That sounds like a, a huge river. It sounds like the Jordan River. As they get closer and closer, it becomes louder and louder until finally they come around a corner and there they see the River Jordan. And they've maybe never seen it like this before because the River Jordan at this point is at flood stage. The, the mountains uh, around this time, it would have been March or April, we're told, we're told it's the time of the spring harvest a few verses later, that it was at flood stage. So that means it was a warm time of year and so the snow in the mountains would have began to melt. I don't know if you've ever been hiking in the mountains before where you see kind of a, during the day, a stream will increase in size based on the heat that takes place during the day. That's happened to me in Colorado. We crossed this stream and we were headed up. We hiked a mountain and we came back. On the way back, that stream that we'd been able to hop over was suddenly one that we had to take our shoes off and we had to wade across because it was a good couple feet deeper because it had been hot all day and the snow had been melting and the snow melt had increased the size of the stream. Well, here you have the Jordan River. It says that it was at flood stage. Why, God? Here they come to the banks of the river and they look out and this river is probably a mile across at this point and it's rushing. And they say at flood tide it can get up to 40 miles per hour. They're looking at these rapids that are going there and they're saying, how are we ever going to cross this? Here God has promised us that we're to enter the promised land and this is the most difficult time. God, you picked the worst possible time for us to enter the promised land. We can't even cross the river, let alone when we get over there to Jericho, this massive city that's walled and fortified and we don't have any weapons to be able to take it over. God, why? God, how are we going to do this? The challenges are too big. The difficulties are too huge. We don't have what it takes. Can you imagine as they stood there? It tells us in the next verse, so it was after three days... So they camped there on the edge of this roaring river at flood tide for three days. Can you imagine the conversations that are going on around the campfire? Uh, do you see that river? It's huge. It's a mile across. Um, what do you think Joshua is planning? How are we going to get across that river? All these thoughts going through our minds. Does Joshua know what he's doing? Is Joshua really thinking this through? Does he have a plan? Are we headed in the right direction? Is God really with us? All of these questions must have been tumbling through their mind. They must have been wondering, what is going on? Why is God doing this? And all too often, I find myself getting in a spiral of questioning God. Maybe you've had this happen before. God, I know that you called me to do this. I know that, that this is your plan, but there's so many obstacles. There's, the finances aren't there for this. Uh, my, my family is falling apart. I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with so many difficulties at school. You should see what my boss is doing. How am I supposed to serve you, God, when I have all these things going on in my life? I thought you promised me these incredible things when I was going to follow you. I was going to be baptized and it was going to be just this easy walk after that. When you choose to follow Jesus, the enemy's not happy. Puts all kinds of barricades in your ways. There may be a massive 
flooded river. That you say, I don't know how I'm going to get across this. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't see a way through this. I, I don't have the plans. I don't have what it takes. And that's okay. That's okay because Joshua doesn't have the plans. Joshua simply knows that God is with him. That's what really matters. Yes, we need to figure out the direction. Yes, we need to look to the future. Yes, we should plan. But the most important, the primary question is, is God with us? I love Joshua chapter 3 and chapter 4 as I've been reading them this week. It talks about the ark, which represented the presence of God. It talks about this some in, the, in chapter 3, it talks about it nine times. And in chapter 4, it talks about it seven times, 16 different times. It's constantly talking about the ark. The ark of God, which represented what God had done for Israel in the past. In, in the ark, you have this bowl of manna. And in the ark, you have the, the rod that had budded, representing the leadership that God had put in place. And there you have the, the Ten Commandments in this ark. And you had the mercy seat over the top of the ark. And above the ark dwelt the Shekinah glory, the very presence of God. And so it begins to describe the plan in verse 3 of Joshua chapter 3. It says, And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant, the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Joshua says the plan is simple. Here's the plan. God is going to go before you in a way that you don't know, a way you haven't gone before. All that matters is that you follow God. You follow His presence because in following God, there is safety. In following God, any challenge becomes an easy challenge because God is in control. But to have the presence of God, we need to have a close walk with God. Look at verse 5 of Joshua chapter 3. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves. That word sanctify is chodesh in the Hebrew means to, to be set apart, to be made holy. This was what they did with the sanctuary. This is what Aaron was set apart as a priest. It means to be wholly dedicated to God. Sanctify yourselves. Be holy to God. Be set apart as only for God. Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Friends, sanctify yourself. And God will do wonders tomorrow. Sanctify yourself today. And God is going to work wonders among us tomorrow. Because when we set aside ourselves wholly for God, that brings the presence of God into our lives. And when we have the presence of God, every challenge and every difficulty becomes surmountable because we have God with us. So it continues Verse 6, then Joshua spoke to the priests. He's passing on the message from God, saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. 
And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that you may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be what? With you. I'm going to be with you. It's all going to be okay, Joshua. I'm going to see you through all of these difficulties, all of these challenges that you're facing. This massive river, it's okay. I am with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you. You know, without this massive challenge, without this huge river, they wouldn't have realized so clearly that God was with them. Just like with their fathers who went through the Red Sea, they had a more incredible faith in God because they had passed through the Red Sea. And here, Joshua is saying, look, this is a good thing. God is with you, and because of this whole situation, because of this difficulty, you are going to know that God is with you. What if every time when I faced a difficulty, when I'm facing challenges in my life, I looked at it as an opportunity to realize that God is alive, that God is active in my life, and that God can see me through any and every circumstance in my life. How much better, how much more peace would I have about my life just recognizing the goodness of God at every turn that I come to, recognizing that God will see me through. Continues, saying that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Those are a lot of giants. (laughs) He's going to drive out all of these giants who you're afraid of. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. So here's the plan, Joshua says to the people, the ark's going to go in front of you. You stay back about 2,000 feet from it. It was about half a mile. They were to to stand back and they were to watch the ark. And you're going to send the priests out. And as the priests go to the water, they're going to walk up to the water and they're going to place their foot in that rushing flood tide water. And when they place their foot in it, it's going to stop flowing. You read the story and this is exactly what happens. As they get to that river, they place their, their feet in there and it says that about 20 miles upstream at at the city of Adam, the water began to pile up. You can only imagine how big of a lake filled that area near Adam during this time that it took for, you had the Israelites at this point were probably close to 2 million there in the wilderness. And here they are trying to cross this river. They would have had to make a massive crossing as they're all trying to get across this river and it's all dry ground. God prepared a way for them across the Jordan River when they stepped out in faith. When they said, we don't know how we're getting through the flood. We don't know how we're going to get past these difficulties, but we're stepping in. We're getting our feet wet because we believe that God is with us. You see, the primary question when we face a challenge in our life is not, how am I going to get through this situation? 
It's, is God with me? The primary question for us as a church, for us as a school, is we, we look to next year and we think, wait, we need to find two teachers for our school. We're, we're wanting to see our school grow. We want to see lots of the classrooms full up there. How are we going to do this? There's so many challenges, so many difficulties. And as these mount up, we look and it's like a storm. We're like we're standing on stormy Jordan's banks. But that's okay. So long as we know that God is with us, the way will be open for us to pass through. We just need to know. We just need to know that we have sanctified ourselves, that we have the presence of God with us, and then he will do wonders among us tomorrow. You know, we're on the borders of the promised land. I've heard a lot of you talking about this this week. As you look at the news and you see what's going on in the world, you see all of the chaos. You see uh, what's going on in the Supreme Court, the things that they're voting that have a huge potential of affecting our religious freedom. We could begin to worry and we could begin to become all stressed out and trying to figure out what's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to move forward. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen to our church. But we know that we're on the borders of the promised land and that God has promised that we will go in. And in Matthew 24, when Jesus is giving all the signs of the end that we would see, what does he keep saying? But don't be afraid. He wants us to know that he's going to be with us and that he's going to see us through any and every circumstance that we come to. So the important question to be asking, the primary question to be asking is not how will we see ourselves through, but is Jesus with me? Do I have God with me? Is his presence here in my heart? Because if he is, then I can expect great things. I can expect incredible things knowing that the God of the universe who created everything is on my side and he will see me through any and every circumstance. I love what it says in the Review and Herald. It challenges us with the difference between these two generations. You have the one generation who, who stood on the banks of the Jordan and at that time it probably wasn't at flood tide because it was the time of the, the first ripe grapes, which would have been in August. And so it probably wasn't such a big challenge for them, but yet they had turned back because they wanted to continue in the experience they had. How about you and I? Are we content? Are we content to come here and experiencing what we've experienced? Or do we want a greater experience? Do we want more of God? Do we want a greater outpouring of His Holy Spirit in our lives? The Review and Herald, June 10, 1902, it says this, By resting content with small blessings, we disqualify ourselves for receiving the Spirit in its unlimited fullness. We are too easily satisfied with a ripple on the surface, when it is our privilege to expect the deep movings of the Spirit of God, expecting little, we receive little. We serve a God who often does exactly what we expect of Him. He wants to be as big as we'll let Him be. And here in this community, we're here in an amazing spot. We're here, a church on the hill, I've heard it described, right? Templeton Hills. And, and there we have the freeway right there where thousands of people are coming by and they're reading our sign every single day. We're in an incredible spot. And we're here because God brought us here. 
I was sitting down and talking with Dr. Kirk a week or so ago, and he was talking about how they looked everywhere for land around here. They, they went around and they tried out different properties, and then all of a sudden, the real estate agent came to him and he was like, no, I don't have time to go out with you again. I, I just can't do it again. He said, just come once more. And he decided to come out when he found out that this was the location. And that committee went forward and got this property that we have here today. God has put us here for a purpose. And it wasn't because there weren't challenges in the past. It wasn't like it was easy for them in the past. It wasn't like they didn't have Jordans to cross that put this church here in the first place. So as we look to the future and we say, how are we going to fill that school? How are we going to fill these pews? How are we going to reach Atascadero? How are we going to reach Paso Robles and Templeton? We just need to know, is God with us? That is the one question and the primary question that matters. Is God with us? So this week, I want to ask God consistently, are you with me? Do I know that I have your presence? Because then I know that I can face anything. No matter how flooded the Jordan is, I can see my way through because you are with me. Do you want to ask God that this week? Are you with me? Constantly seeking the presence of God. I also want to invite you this week on Wednesday night. I mentioned it in the announcements. But on Wednesday night, we have prayer meeting. If you want to experience the presence of God, Jesus has promised, he said that when two or three ask anything on earth concerning, uh, ask me concerning anything, it will be done for them. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am where? Right there in the midst of them. If you're able to come and pray together on Wednesday night, or if you're able to get a group together to pray anytime, as much prayer as we can get going in this church and for that school, last week the elders, we went up and we prayer walked the school. We set our feet on that ground, just like Joshua going around claiming the land for God. The more that we can spend time together praying, asking for the presence of God, asking for His blessing on this church, on this school, we will be able to face the challenges that God has because God will be with us and that's all that really matters. Father, I don't know what challenges personally may be facing some of us this morning, but we ask that you would be with us. You promise to never leave us nor forsake us. You promised that when we walk through the waters that you would be with us and through the rivers that they would not overflow us. We claim the promise of your presence in our lives. And Lord, there's somebody here this morning who is wondering, how would I have the presence of God in my heart? Just pray that you would reveal to them the grace of Jesus and that you want to come close to each and every one of us. And Lord, as a church, as a school, as we look to the future, as we look to starting a kindergarten, as we look to filling those classrooms up there, thank you that you promise to never leave us or forsake us. We ask that you be our leader, that you be our guide, that we never take a step ahead of you, but that we look for your presence, that we look for the way in which you are working, and that we let you lead us through the challenges that we face. Thank you so much for never leaving us or forsaking us. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you this week.